this lesson we learn the basis of prayer what prayer is why pray the different kinds of prayer the foundation for an effective prayer life and how to pray the prayer of asking and receiving this is a very important lesson for any believer who desires to mature into becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ let's get ready to make our declaration we have a bible please uh, let's turn to Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And then we'll stand up and make a declaration and get into God's word. Revelation 12, 11 is a very well-known verse of scripture. It says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. they the people of god overcame him the adversary the devil how by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony it is important that we testify to what the blood of the lamb has done for us every time we testify to what the blood of the lamb has done for us it helps us overcome it helps us prevail over whatever the adversary is doing against us Amen. So we must testify. We must release the word of our testimony to what the blood of Jesus has done for us. So you say the blood of Jesus has cleansed me when there is accusing thoughts, condemning thoughts coming to your mind, making you feel worthless, good for nothing, inadequate, insufficient. You say no. The blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me. I'm clean. I'm righteous in the eyes of God. When the enemy says you can never be free from this addiction this habit or this bondage in your life you say no the blood of jesus christ has set me free has redeemed me has delivered me so you testify to what the blood of jesus has done for you and that makes you an overcomer amen so don't be afraid to use your words it's a weapon god's given to us say what the blood has done for you so let's stand up to our feet this morning We're going to testify to what the word of God says concerning us. We're not ashamed to make our declaration. We're not ashamed to testify to the truth. So let's say this together. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved. heal deliver redeem i'm blessed victorious prosperous triumphant i'm a minister of god a servant of christ and a channel of his blessing to many people i receive his word i believe his word and i live by his word christ is my master and to him i am in absolute surrender in Jesus name amen god bless you you may be seated please we're continuing on our journey on our foundations this is a fifth lesson in this series on the foundations where we are addressing very basic foundational aspects of the christian life we're talking about different bricks that really help us have a strong foundation this morning we want to talk about the basics of prayer how to pray and what's the right way to pray and how to have a strong prayer life uh when we get into track 2 we'll take this whole study on prayer up another level when we talk about intercessory prayer but this morning we want to talk about the basics lay the foundation for prayer the truth of the matter is that god wants us to be in a place for prayer where anything we ask is done say so, but pastor i heard somebody say sometimes god may say maybe sometimes god may say wait and sometimes god may say no and sometimes god may say i don't know <laughs> listen all of that is man made theology so get ready to throw it out our standard is god's word and Jesus Christ. 
Jesus set the model for us on what prayer life must be. And I can tell you, there was never a time when Jesus prayed and God said, No. Or God said, Wait. Or God said, Sorry. You know. Every time Jesus prayed, He had His prayers answered. Yes or no? That's it. He's our model. He's our standard. And what does the Word say? The Word says, Whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. That's the standard. You say, but pastor, I heard this great man of God teach like this. I don't care. What did the word say? The word says, anything you ask, you will receive. So that's the standard for prayer life. That you and I come to a place in prayer where we just ask and it will be done. Now, I know we're not there yet. But it's important to be clear of where we ought to go. Otherwise, we will not get anywhere if you're not clear where we're supposed to go. Amen? God's will is for each one of us to have such a prayer life, just like the prayer life of Jesus. But whatever we ask, it is done. See, but pastor, what if I ask out of his will? Okay, so come to a place where you will never ask out of his will. That's the answer. Not change our theology about prayer. Don't change that, change you. Amen? So, but pastor, what if I don't know the will of God? Well, then come to a place where you and I will know the will of God. So that whenever we ask, we ask spot on, right on. And that prayer is answered. You know, look at some of the promises Jesus gave. He said things like this in John 15, 7. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. Meaning, you and I, in our prayer lives, can come to a place where we ask whatever we will. And it'll be done. But to arrive at that place, he did give a prerequisite. He said, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So meaning, if I come to that place in God, where I'm abiding in him, and his words are abiding in me, there is no issue of me ever asking anything out of his will. That's not even a question. And so I will be in that place of prayer where I can ask whatever I will and it will be done. There's one man who stood in that place and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I are here to emulate him. You and I are here to say that's the model for prayer. I want to be like that. Amen? So before we get into this lesson, the first thing we must do is get ready to kind of drop off some of the wrong ideas we've had of prayer. Let's go to God's word, the standard, and Jesus Christ have a model for what prayer is all about. Let's begin with the very basics. Prayer is first of all communion with God. You know, prayer is not an on-off switch that, you know, it's like this vending machines. I'm thirsty, I need Sprite. Put in money, press the button, Sprite comes out. Prayer is not a vending machine. That's Not the only thing you do in prayer. Yes, you do transact with God through prayer. But that's not the only thing. Prayer, basically, is communion with God. It's me fellowshipping with God. God talking to me and me talking to God. Building that relationship with God. Amen? So, when we approach prayer and this discipline or this practice that you and I are to have in prayer... Let's approach it, first of all, the right way. That this is a way for me to commune with God, for me to become intimate with God so that I know Him and I can share my heart with Him and I can learn to hear His voice and know His heart in that place of prayer. Amen? So approach prayer not as some exercise you ought to do every day, not as some, you know, this... This discipline I must keep, otherwise uh, I will lose my church membership. Or not even as this vending machine that I go to only when I want something. No, 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 no. Prayer is first of all a place of communion, a place of intimacy with God. So prayer is God's invitation to a place of intimacy with Him. He's inviting you and me to come. Let's engage in this so that you can get to know me 
and hear my heart and have the opportunity to share your heart with me. It's that place. It's an invitation of intimacy with, with the Lord. You know, the Lord Jesus set a great example in Luke 11 verse 1. It says, he was praying in a certain place. And he, he prayed. I mean, can you imagine Jesus pray? If anybody, if there was anybody who didn't need to pray, it would be the Lord. He's already anointed. But he still prays. And if Jesus prayed, you and I should react the way his disciples reacted. It says in Luke 11, when his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, they saw him pray and they felt something inside them that says, we want what he's got. We want to be like that. We want to be in that place of prayer. Jesus was our greatest model, our example of how to pray. The Bible says many things. For example, in Mark 1 verse 35, it says, He rose up a great while before day and he went into a solitary place and prayed. Meaning he made a choice to get up early in the morning. I'm not saying everybody has to do that. I know some of you work in call centers. <laughs> and, and as some of us have different biorhythms, you may stay up late or whatever. But the point is, he got up, went into a quiet place to pray. Luke 6, 12 says, you know, he sent his disciples away and he went aside and he spent the whole night in prayer with God. He chose to do certain things like that. He chose to pray. So, being in that place of intimacy with the Father is important. That's why Jesus said, whatever I speak, I speak what I hear the Father say. Whatever I see the Father do is what I do. He had that intimacy. And he could flow out of that. Every ministry flowed out of that for the Lord. And he taught us that we ought to pray and not to faint. Luke 18, 11. The second important thing for us as we lay foundation here is to know that God hears us when we pray. Be assured in your heart that when you pray, God hears you. Amen? The Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 12, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29, verse 12, God says, you call upon me and I will answer you. So God hears you and me when you pray. So it's important here for us to understand that prayer is first of all a spiritual activity. Right? It's a spiritual thing. So which means... The volume of your voice does not matter. It doesn't mean if you shout, you're going to reach heaven faster. Or that God's going to, you're going to get God's attention because your prayer is so loud. It doesn't matter. In fact, you can pray inside you because God knows the thoughts of your heart. So sometimes you may not verbalize your prayer. You're thinking your prayer. And that's still prayer. Isn't it? Yes or no? So don't get told, you know, think like, I must be shouting in prayer or I must be loud in prayer. I must be aggressive. Relax, man. You're not, you're not trying to impress God. What can mortal man do to impress God? Relax. Pray any way you want. The posture in prayer is not important. You want to sit and pray. You want to stand and pray. You want to walk and pray. You want to sleep and pray. It's fine. Because prayer is you communing with God in your heart. Amen? You can pray on your bike. You can pray in your car. You can pray on the, in the train station. You can play in the airplane. So tell me, does it matter whether you pray with your head covered or uncovered? Doesn't matter. You see, but Paul said in the Bible, women, you have to cover your heads. Listen. That's a very contextual thing that Paul was addressing in that particular local church, in the Corinthian church. It's like Paul saying, greet one another with a holy kiss. Or Paul saying, you know, uh, extend the right hand of fellowship. Or Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. It's not something we do every day or in every church service. There were things done for a moment in that particular context. So uh, let's not take something that was addressing a certain issue in that church and make it applicable universally for all people for all time. It's not meant that way. Prayer is a spiritual thing. That's why you don't need a rosary. 
That's why you don't need a picture of Jesus or a statue of Jesus. That's why you don't need a mediator in between. Amen? I know I'm kicking over some sacred cows, but it's okay. Just let them go. Amen? Prayer is you communing with God. God said, call unto me and I will answer you. God hears us when we pray. So you have this confidence that, hey, even if I'm praying at my office desk, my boss said, come and meet me at 5 o'clock. And my heart skipped a few beats and it's still tense because I don't know why he told me to meet him at 5 o'clock. And you can be in your office seat, at your office desk, and there pray. Say, Lord, help me. Sometimes the smallest prayers are the most powerful. Amen? Peter was sinking and what did he say? Lord, help! And that was it. He began to walk on the water again. So those, those quiet prayers, those short prayers, what we may call as whispers, they're powerful. God hears you. Another important thing for us to keep in mind is God promises to answer when we pray. You know, many of us still have this idea or this thought that prayer is a hit and miss thing. You know, let's give it a shot. If it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I'll figure my way out. That's the way most of us approach prayer. Let's give it a shot. But listen, we've got to change. We've got to come to prayer saying, I know this works. Because my God has promised to answer me when I pray. And if I can follow the guidelines, instructions he's given me, then I can be in this place of prayer. When I pray, I can pray exactly what I want and God will give it. Look at what Jesus said. I'm just speaking a few words. There are so many scriptures on prayer. In Matthew 7, 7 to 11, Jesus said, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. There is no ambiguity, no if, might be, maybe in any of those sentences. And then he continues. For some of us who say, well, he meant that only for the apostles. He continues. He says, for anyone who asks, anyone, whoever asks will receive. Anyone who seeks will find. Anyone who knocks, the door will be. Which means all of us are included in that verse. And then he draws a comparison. He says, if any of you being, uh, being an earthly father, if your son comes and asks him for bread, would you give him a stone? If he asks you for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he asks you for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? No. If you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give Good things. You say, does God want me to have good things? I think so. Jesus said, Matthew 7 verse 11. How much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So there's nothing wrong in asking God for good things. Things that are good for your life. Ask him. He's your heavenly father. Amen? So when we come to prayer, we must come with this understanding that God has promised not only hear me, but also to answer me, to give me the things I'm asking for. It's not a hit and miss, hit and miss deal. It's a done deal. I'm coming to receive. Amen? Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, whatever you ask in prayer, all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. He didn't say you might, maybe not, sometimes, most of the time, no. All things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. The Father wants you to have good things in your life. That's something God instituted. God set up for you and me in prayer. So come with that 
with that posture. I'm here to receive and I will receive. But you say, but pastor, let's, let's face the fact. Let's face reality. Let's not live in denial. All of us have prayed prayers that have not been answered. Yes, I accept that. But all of us who tried riding a bike have fallen at least once. Twice. Three times. Maybe innumerable times. But did you stop riding your bike? No. Did you say riding your bike is impossible? No. What did you do? You got up on the bike, kept cycling. Is that right? I still have bruises that I got because of my falls from the bike. But I didn't come up with a theology that cycling is not of God. Sometimes the cycle works and sometimes it doesn't. I didn't change my understanding, philosophy about cycling. Just because I fell and got hurt so many times. I know it works. Is that I made mistakes. So any failure in prayer is not because God was at fault. Any failure in prayer is attributable only to man's side. And man can always change and man can always improve. So we learn from our mistakes and try to understand, okay, God, what else must I do? How can I grow in this so that I come to a place where you and I always connect and the deal is done? That's how we must approach it. Rather than saying, oh, you know, sometimes God says yes and sometimes God says no and sometimes he says maybe, sometimes he says wait, sometimes he says give me some time to figure it out. That's not the Bible. That's the theology of an unbelieving preacher. Amen? Well, sometimes you have to be a little hard to dislocate some wrong theology and get the right stuff in. All right? So, a couple of things about prayer, other things about prayer. Prayer changes us. Sometimes we say prayer changes God. Listen, prayer, most of all, primarily changes me. When I get into the presence of God, I come out renewed. I come out refreshed. I come out encouraged. I come out with my burdens laid down. I come out uh, with a strength to overcome temptation. I come out renewed. My will becomes aligned to His will. My desires become changed. So prayer changes me. Now the important thing about prayer is prayer is partnering with God to change things around us and to shape the course of history. That's amazing. Think about what we're doing, for instance, in Malaysia. You know, we could have all sat down here and have a, had a happy church service every Sunday morning. But we stretch ourselves a little bit, make our schedules a little uncomfortable, and say, okay, you know, we're going to go after that part of our city. Let's go. And what do you do? We start praying. God, we are praying for these people. Now, we could have left them alone and sat down here. But though, if you want to create history... If you want to shape the history of a city and affect the history of a nation, you've got to do something. You've got to step out of your comfort. Get up there and say, God, we're going to pray. So all these months we've been engaging in prayer. We'll continue praying. What will happen? We'll begin to see God move. And people who otherwise may have never been saved will get saved. Their eternal destinies will be changed. You'll find them in heaven. Amen. Why? Because some people were willing to get out of their comfortable Sunday morning church service and let their Sunday morning schedules be disrupted a little bit to get out there into Malaysia and begin to pray and say, God, give us souls or else we will die. Give us souls. We want to see souls say. We want people to come into the kingdom of God. So prayer is you and me partnering with God to see things around us change to shape the course of history. Now, what kind of things can we do in prayer? What can we do in prayer? What can we see happen in prayer? You know, prayer is such a privilege. We shouldn't neglect it. I think it was John Wesley who said, God does nothing on the earth except in response to man's prayer. You say, but I thought God was a sovereign God. Yes, God is a sovereign God. And in His sovereignty, He has instituted this thing called prayer where He calls humankind to come and partner with Him to see things done on earth. So God does nothing on the earth except in response to prayer. There are things, of course, God will do that are part of his general plan for humankind. That will happen. 
But in the normal course of things, in your life, in my life, in the lives of people around me, God is looking for people who will pray. So it's such a privilege for you and me. Amen? Now we know the Lord's Prayer, all of us. But I want to point out, just highlight to us from the Lord's Prayer, 10 things, at least 10 things you and I can pray about, you and I can do in our prayer time with God. Number one, he said, our Father in heaven. So that's the prayer of fellowship. My Father. My Father. That boy punched me, it's hurting. (laughs) My Father. It's a prayer of communion with God. Fellowship, you're telling him your heart. You're talking to him as a father. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. The prayer of adoration and worship. So you can adore God in this time of prayer. Hallowed be your name. Father, I worship. You are so great. You are wonderful. You hallow the name of the Lord. You worship in the prayer of adoration and worship. Thy, number three. Thy kingdom come. You pray for his rule and his dominion to come forth. Lord, I want your kingdom to come. Your rule to come in. So in part of your prayer, you're praying his kingdom come. You're praying to see the rule and dominion of God established on the earth. His kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. So when you're praying for righteousness, for peace and joy to be established in situations, circumstances, people's lives, you're praying his kingdom. Pray his rule, his dominion into the lives of people. Pray thy kingdom come. Then, number four, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what else can you pray? You can pray for his will, his plan, his purpose to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. When you see a sick person, it's God's will for him to be healed. Why? Because there is no sickness in heaven. So what's in heaven? Pray here on earth to bring it here. So pray his will to be done. When you see a need, there are no needs in heaven. Pray his, that need to be met. Pray His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? What's the next? Give us this day our daily bread. So pray for needs. Whatever needs. Financial, physical, social. Whatever. Pray for those needs. It's legitimate to spend time in prayer. To pray for specific needs you have in your life or the lives of others. Pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Next. Forgive us our sins. So what can you do in prayer? You can pray the prayer of confession, the prayer of receiving forgiveness from God, cleansing from God. So you spend time doing that in prayer. Next. As we forgive those who have sinned against us. So what do you do? You pray to release forgiveness. If there is bitterness, hurt and anger towards anybody because they've hurt you. You pray. In prayer, you release forgiveness. Lord, I forgive. I forgive. Because he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So you could do that in prayer. Next. Lead us not into temptation. So this is the prayer to overcome temptation. Jesus said, watch and pray that you do not enter into temptation. Because in prayer, you receive the strength to overcome temptation. So what else can you pray? You can pray, say, God, give me the strength to overcome temptation. We all face temptation. The strength to overcome, we receive through those moments of prayer. So you pray to overcome temptation. Lead us not into temptation. But, next, deliver us from the evil one. From the evil one. So, what else can you pray? You can pray to overcome everything the adversary is doing. Just say, Lord, the devil's doing this. I ask you for strength. And I'm praying that God, those things will be bound. I'm praying that I'll walk in victory and authority over those demonic works. So in prayer, you exercise authority and victory over demonic things, demonic works. And finally, it's the prayer of glorifying God. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. So here you find 10 things at least that you can pray about in your prayer life. Amen? Right from the Lord's Prayer. Ten things. Now, let's get into a little bit more on prayer. Are you all with me so far? What we must understand is that in the Bible, there are different types of prayer. There are different kinds of prayer. And we must know when to pray, what kind of prayer. 
Because the rules that govern different kinds of prayer are different. The way you pray, different kinds of prayer are different. So it's, it is good for us to know that there are different kinds of prayer and what prayer to pray when. Sometimes we think there's only one way to pray. Um, then we get into a lot of frustration when we don't expect things, when we are praying in a certain way, in a certain situation. Ephesians 6 in verse 18 says, Pray always with all prayer and supplication. It simply means pray always with all manner of prayer. Some versions would have that. All kinds of prayer. Pray always, but use different kinds of prayer and supplication when you pray. Same thing in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and, and verse 1. Paul says, I exhort first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. So in prayer there are different things. There are prayers, there are supplications, there are intercessions, there are giving of thanks. So there are different kinds or types or manners of praying. And we must understand this so that we know which to use when. Let me just give you a brief list of some of the kinds of prayer that we see in the Bible, and we'll focus on studying one in depth today. Here are some different kinds of prayer. There is, first of all, the prayer of asking and receiving, which is the most common form of prayer we all use. It's the prayer, if you will, to transact with God, meaning, I know some people don't like the word transact, substitute it with another word. It's a prayer where you ask to receive something from God. When you want a need met, when you want a situation change, it, it's a prayer of asking and receiving something specific from God. There's a prayer of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is what we do when we're saying, when we're grateful to God, we're thankful for something He's done for us. Or sometimes you're also giving thanks by faith in advance for something yet to be seen. So you also use thanksgiving in that kind of a situation. There's a prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration is simply you saying, Lord, I surrender to your will. It's the kind of prayer that Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane. So in the prayer of consecration, you're not asking God for something to be done per se. But in the prayer of consecration, you are yielding to what God wants done in your life. So it's a little different from the prayer of asking and receiving. Are you with me? In consecration, you're just saying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. That's consecration. You're yielding to the will of God. God may, you may want to go to New York and God may want you to go to Lucknow. So when you pray and say, God, okay, God, no to New York, yes to Lucknow. You're praying the prayer of consecration. You're yielding to the will of God. So that in that situation, you're not expecting lightning and thunder to fall on you. Or something. No, you're just, you're just aligning your will. That's the prayer of consecration. It's different from other prayers. There's a prayer of agreement. Where two of us agree on earth as touching anything. And that's a powerful way to pray. But you've got to be in agreement. There's no point in coming to somebody and just, you know, just, yeah, you pray, you pray. And if two people are not in agreement, then standing together praying was, was of no effect. But when you're together with somebody praying, you agree. And that makes power available. So there's a prayer of agreement. You need to be united in that objective that you're pursuing together. There is the prayer of repentance and confession. Where you're saying, God, I'm sorry. I've done something wrong. I've messed up. And please forgive me. Wash me with the blood of Jesus. Change my heart. Get me right. That's a prayer of repentance. Amen. So the prayer of repentance is different from the prayer of asking and receiving. There are different kinds of prayer. There is the prayer of intercession where you're praying for someone else. You're not praying for yourself. You're not praying for your own needs. But you're praying on behalf of someone else and their needs. There is praying in the spirit or praying in tongues. Uh, We have a publication available on the wonderful benefits of praying in tongues. And and you can engage in that. and, And you understand all the different benefits of just spending time Praying in tongues, praying in the spirit. There's a prayer of faith for healing. The Bible says if somebody is sick among you, you pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So that's different. You're praying very specifically for somebody to be healed. There's a prayer of commissioning. When you're appointing somebody for ministry. So there are some people who are getting ready to go in a certain ministry, do something. Like you see in the book of Acts. 
the elders, the leaders got together. They laid hands on them, prayed over them, commissioned them, sent them out to do what God has called them to do. That's the prayer of commissioning. And then there's a prayer of communion, of fellowship, where you're simply sharing your heart thoughts with God. And you're listening for His heart. So here you're not really trying to ask or receive anything. Here you're not praying for somebody else's need. You're not praying for healing. You're not, you know, doing anything. You're just sharing your heart with God. Say, God, this is what's in my heart. You're pouring out your heart. So these are all different kinds of prayer. And there are different rules or guidelines, the different ways you pray these different kinds of prayer. Sometimes we mix them all together, put them all in the same bag, and then we get frustrated. Because when you are praying the prayer of faith for healing, please do not use the prayer of consecration. Why? Because in consecration you're saying, not my will, but thy will. There is not you know, surrendering. But when somebody is sick, don't say, God, if it be thy will. That's a wrong time to say, if it be thy will. You better find out the will and then pray. The will is, God's will is to heal every sick person. That's his will. His will is already settled concerning sickness. He is the healer. Amen? So sometimes we pray the prayer of consecration when we are supposed to be praying the prayer of healing. So Lord, we consecrate him to his death, O God. <laughs> no. If you want to see the sick heal, you've got to pray the prayer of faith, not the prayer of consecration. The prayer of consecration you pray when you are yielding your will to the will of God. The prayer of faith for healing you pray when you know the will of God which is that he wants every sick person to be healed. So you're saying God I'm asking that this person be healed. So we, sometimes we mix all this up and we don't get the results and then we're wondering why? Because you're praying the wrong kind of prayer in that situation. Together with me so far? Yes? Amen? Now, the foundation for a strong prayer, the three very important things to have a strong prayer life. Number one, knowing who God is. We cannot have a strong prayer life if you don't know who God is. Knowing Him empowers you to know what to pray, what's in His heart, what's not in His heart. When you know God, it's easy to pray with confidence. When you know that God is the healer, then you know that when a sick person comes, you can pray for healing. But if you're not sure that, you know, maybe my God is sometimes he's healer, sometimes he's sickness maker. So now I don't know what mood he's in. Say, God, if you're in a mood to heal, heal. Others, Lord, just give him more sickness. No, we don't pray that way. Because you know who God is. You can pray with strength because, you know, this is the will of God. When there's a need, you know, his name is El Shaddai. Meaning, he's more than enough. You don't question, oh God, there's such a big need. I mean, do you think you can really meet it, God? No. When you know your God, your prayer life is different. Because you pray from knowing who he is. Not from the size of the problem. Not from the size of the need. Not from the, uh, the possibilities that you can see in your own mind. No, no, no. You pray from heaven's perspective. Because you know your God. Second important thing about having a strong prayer life is for you to know who you are in Christ. Because when you know who you are in Christ, you know that you have the right to ask for these things. Otherwise, we pray like this, you know, oh God, I'm such a sinful person. I'm not even worthy to make this request. That's why I was asking, thinking of asking Joe to do this for me, God. But Joe is not, not here, God. So please, if you will humbly give me this. No, 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 no. You don't pray like that. When you know who you are in Christ, when you know that you have been given access to the very throne of God through the blood of Jesus, you come boldly to the throne of grace. You make no apologies for making a request here on earth because you are partnering with God and He has mandated that you pray His will here on earth. That you know you're an heir of God, you know you're a joint heir with Jesus, and so you want to you want to see down here on earth what Jesus would do if he were here physically. So you pray from that perspective. That you're authorized to pray that way. So you pray based on who you are in Christ. And lastly, of course, we and I must know how to exercise faith in prayer. Because faith is very important. Jesus said. If any of you lack wisdom, let him 
Jesus didn't say this, sorry. His brother said it, James. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in James chapter 1 verse 5. He said, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally, but let him ask in faith, doubting nothing. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with a wind and toss. Let not that man think that he will receive anything from God. Says man, if you can't pray in faith, forget it. You're not going to receive anything from God. Don't pray. That's what James is saying. I'm paraphrasing it. So it's so important that when we pray, we should pray in. See, there's nothing wrong on God's side. Why? Because he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and does not, and without reproach. He doesn't scold people. So what's the nature of God? It is God's nature to give. He gives liberally and He gives to all without partiality and He gives to all without partiality and without scolding. That's the nature of God. But for me to receive from such a God, He says, you've got to ask in faith. So three key foundations for a strong prayer life. Number one, I must know who God is. Number two, I must know who I am in Christ. Number three, I must ask in faith. I must ask in faith. So now, in the next few moments, I'm going to run through the prayer of asking and receiving. How do I pray the prayer of asking and receiving? That means, I have a specific need. I want to receive something from God. How do I pray? I just want to enumerate seven points here on how to pray the prayer of asking and receiving. Number one, pray To the Father in the name of Jesus. Jesus said very clearly, he said, whatever you ask the Father, John 16, 23, 24. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. So why do we pray in the name of Jesus? Not because all of us can know when to say Amen. We'll be waiting. When he says, in Jesus' name, Amen. And that's not the reason why we pray in Jesus' name. To give everybody a cue when to say amen. No. The reason we pray in Jesus' name is because Jesus said, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you so that your joy. Notice that? He said your joy. Jesus wants you to be happy. That your joy may be full. So you're so selfish, you're praying only for your joy to be full. Well, Jesus said, you ask so that your joy will be So will that make you full of joy? Sure, go ahead and ask. So you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. You don't pray to St. John, you don't pray to St. Mark, you don't pray to St. Luke. You don't pray to Mary either, you pray to the Father in the name of if praying to a saint or Mary was something we, Jesus wanted us to do, he would have stated it. But what he did state was, pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Let's follow his instructions. Number two, pray according to God's revealed will. First John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence that we have in God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, we also know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. So how to pray according to his will? How do I know the will of God? One, through the scriptures, wherever God's word speaks to the situation, that's his will. But then, there are situations in life when uh, we can't find a scripture that speaks directly to it. For example, you know, about a job, should I go into this field or should I go into that field? Uh, Should I apply here or should I apply there? You know, you don't find a chapter and verse that says apply here, apply there. So what do you do? You've got to listen to God. Try to get to know the mind of God through the Spirit. And once you know God's revealed His will, then you proceed. You ask for that. In the meantime, be open. Do what you would normally do. God has blessed our mind. We use our sanctified mind to proceed with whatever we're supposed to be doing. In the process, be listening to God. And you know that this is the will of God, then you go after it 100%. So pray according to God's revealed will. 
Number three, pray with a clear conscience. That means don't have any sin in your heart. If I have unforgiveness towards somebody, anger and hatred and bitterness, or if I'm living in sin, these are things that will hinder my prayers. So there are hindrances to prayer, and I got to deal with that. I got to get them out of my life. So pray with a clear conscience. Pray with a life of obedience um, that's required. The Bible says uh, in 1 John 3, 21 and 22, if a heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. So pray with a clear conscience. Number four, pray with faith. And when you pray, believe that you have received. Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus said, whatever you desire, See, that's a dangerous statement there again. Whatever you desire. Whatever you desire. Whatever you desire. It's like giving you a blank check. Whatever you desire. He says, when you pray, what do you do? Believe that you have received it. Not believe that it might happen in the future. It may work. It may not work. Believe that you have. I mean, it's done. It's done. I prayed about it. I've told God what I desire. And I believe I have. But I don't see it. It's okay. Faith is that transaction. It's a spiritual thing. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So faith, my faith, is the confirmation of the answer. I first receive it by faith before I receive it in the natural. So when you pray, you believe that it is done. Now, don't contradict what your faith says by your words of unbelief. Now, don't say, oh man, maybe I won't get it. No, you just said, if you believe that you have received it, you say, you know, I've settled it in prayer. That's what matters. I believe it's done. It's done. I don't see it yet. I believe it's done. It may not have come into manifestation yet, but I believe it's done. Believe that you have received it. And then what happen? And then you will receive it. So you have to believe that you have received it before you actually see it. That's the way we pray. That's faith. Otherwise, you don't need faith. Believe that you have received it. Abraham receiving his promise from God is a great example. He believed that he had a son, even before he had one. And he thanked God for it. Read about this in Romans 4, 17 to 21. Last two things. You continue in faith with patience and thanksgiving. So between the time you believed that you received it, to till the time you see it actually happen, what must you do? You continue with faith and thanksgiving. Have some endurance. Continue saying, God... I prayed about this matter and I thank you that it is done. I thank you that you've granted it to me. You continue with that kind of thanksgiving. Continue in faith. With endurance. With thanksgiving. Thank you for the outcome. Even before it happens, you continue with thanksgiving in faith and patience. Sometimes prayers are delayed because there are demonic obstacles. When Daniel prayed, the angels came and said, the angels showed up 21 days. I mean, sometimes worse than FedEx, you know. 21 days late. They say, what happened, man? Don't you have another courier service? No, 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 no. The first day you prayed, it was dispatched from heaven. But along the way, there was some turbulent weather. There was the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece who tried to stop me. So the airwaves were a little disturbed. But you know, I made it through. So sometimes there are demonic obstructions that, are, that try to delay, that delay the answers to prayer. It doesn't mean God's not sent it. What did Daniel do? He continued for 21 days in prayer. He didn't give up. Sometimes prayers take a little time to answer because God is waiting for the Kairos moment. Kairos moment simply means when the time is right. And God always releases answers in the right time. And the time is right. For the time to be right, for the Kairos moment to come, maybe I need to change. Maybe People around me need to change. Maybe circumstances around me need to be changed. So there's this Kairos moment for the right time for the answer to come manifest. But between now, the prayer time I've prayed and believed that is done to the time it's going to manifest, I must continue with thanksgiving. 
But if I give up before that and I disrupt everything God's doing, I may actually miss the answer that was already sent to, to me. So I must continue in prayer. And lastly, be fervent, not flippant in your asking. Be fervent in your prayer. When God has revealed something to you saying, this is what he wants done on earth, be fervent about it. Now I close with this example in James 5. The Bible talks about Elijah. It says, look at Elijah. He was a man just like us. He had like passions like us. And, but he prayed that it shouldn't rain. It didn't rain. Then afterwards he prayed again that it should rain and it rained. So he says, look at Elijah. And then he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. But if you go back to the actual story in Kings, here's what you see in 1 Kings 18. In verse 1, God told Elijah, Elijah, I'm going to send rain. Go and tell King Ahab it's going to rain. So Elijah goes to Ahab and says, Ahab, it's going to rain. Then what does he do? He goes up to Mount Carmel and he starts praying. And he doesn't pray a vending machine prayer. He doesn't say, God, you said it'll rain, so let it rain. See you later, God. No. He prays fervently. And the Bible points to Elijah as an example of fervency in prayer. Earnestness in prayer. What did he do? He prayed Seven times he sent his servant, go and see, is anything coming? And finally, the seventh time, the servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. And then Elijah says, okay, I see the answer. Now I can relax. So he prayed with that earnestness. And the Bible says, that's how we ought to pray. Although God already said, I am sending rain, Elijah prayed through fervently till he saw the clouds. Amen? So the Bible says that's the kind of people we ought to be in our prayer lives. Till you see the cloud, pray. Till you see the cloud coming through, that fulfillment of that word that God has spoken, don't give up. Continue in faith. Most of us, we pray this little prayer. Okay, the vending machine is not working today. Let me go. Look for another machine. No, no, no. You got to be earnest. Be fervent in your prayer. Amen? Did you learn something about prayer? Go back and just reveal the things you've heard so that you and I can just be strong in our prayer lives. I know we're not perfected yet and we're not 100% successful in every prayer we pray. But at least let us understand the standard. Let us understand how we ought to pray and let's begin to press into it. So at, at one point, people will come to us and say, I know when you pray, God will answer. Amen. We will walk with God in such a way that what Jesus intended for us, that if you ask anything you will, it will be. It will be. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.